0: Good afternoon, happy Sabbath. Sabbath. I'm so delighted to be in front of you today. And first of all, I want to give thanks to the Lord, the creator of the universe, who gave us a time to be among the living. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and for us to be here is not for granted. We should never take it for granted. Secondly, I want to thank uh, my brother Ron and uh, Eskia. They have been talking to me for a long time. Oh, we need you to come to speak in Brooklyn. I say it will come one day. And that day is today, brother Ron. And I'm so glad to see you too. I know many people, uh, they're attending camp meeting. And I was planning to be there. But I said I will go there after I finish to speak to Brooklyn Church. So uh, before I start, I know Brother Ron one day when uh, Brother Eskio was telling him that, you know, my friend of mine has a a Muslim background. He said, oh, when when he comes to speak, he should share with us a little bit about his background. And I said, okay, I'm going to spend a few minutes because I don't want to, Use that to be a sermon. We still need to go back to the word of God. Um, Me and Brother Eskia, we come from the same mountains. And if one day you pass in Tanzania in the plain known as Hedaru Same, you will see the mountains which look a little bit like this picture behind here. You will never believe on the the top of those mountains, behind the mountains, people can live there. But that's where we were born, and that's where we grew up. I grew up with my grandma when I was six years of age, and my grandma was married to Chief Saeed. That's why you hear my name, Fikiri Saeed Makassar. And this chief was having three wives, and my grandma was the fourth wife. But the brothers of my grandma refused their sister to get married to this guy. So they ended up having their first child, which is my father, and my grandma ended up marrying another man. Growing up with my grandma, the family of Chief Said always claimed us as their own. Since there were Muslims, you know, this is the belief that the son of a Muslim should be a Muslim. Now let me tell you something about the knowledge I found when I came here in the U.S. They say some black people believe that Islam is the religion of Africa. Is not true. Amen. It's not true. Islam is the religion we got from Arabs when they came for the business of ivory and gold and salt in Africa. So when they came along the coast, if you go to Tanga in Tanzania, you go to Mombasa in Kenya, you see the residue of Islam as a result of Arabs who settled there for many, many years. Even today we have Arabs who are living there. So as I was growing now, remember this family is kind of broken because my father belongs to Saeed family who claims to be a Muslim and my grandma is on the side of Anglican people. We had the people from England. The Church of England was there. So I'm trying to find myself where do I belong. Because there is a tension. On the side of my, my grandma, they want us to be Anglican. On the side of my grandpa, oh, they are Islam. These are Muslims. So I said, in the age of 12, I wanted to know which way should I go. Now remember, There was no much pressure because I'm not living with the family. But on the side of my grandma also, it was not convincing me because my grandma, though she claimed to be a Christian, she never practiced. I never saw her going to church. So I decided to find out by myself. I had some friends who told me, let's go to the madrasa. We went to the madrasa. I was listening what they were teaching us now. I will tell you Islam is divided in two big groups. People who really understand what they believe in their faith and the group which don't know anything they're just following. And thus I believe the group I was people who were just following even the people who told me in the side of my father's uncles they tried too much to pressure us that you know you belong here. So I had some questions. Can you tell me what is all about about this religion? Guess what? There was no answers. Now, when you are a pathfinder, when you are looking for a way, and you ask those who are ahead of you that you believe they can tell you where to go, and they don't have answers, now is remaining to your shoulders to find a way. So I came to realize that there were five pillars of Islam. Now I'm telling you today, not because I want you to become a Muslim, but I need you to know how you can help some friends who still believe Islam is the religion of God to know what we know today. So these five pillars, I I don't want to take this long But I'm going to share this, that they have five pillars. If you are a true Muslim, you have to know those five pillars and to practice. What is the first pillar? They call it shahada. What is shahada? It's like a formation of your faith. Every time you get to the house of worship like we're here, we have to recite that particular statement with conviction you are convinced that what I'm doing is something I know, and I'm committed to do this. La ilaha illallahu sharikallahu Muhammadir <inaudible> Rasulullah. What does it mean? I believe that there is no god except Allah, and Muhammad is His messenger. And in another translation, it say He is the last messenger. Now, uh, someone left a small uh, Bible in my grandma's house. I don't know who left that little Bible. It was a New Testament. And from that time, I was reading that little Bible. And one time, I saw in the book of Revelation, Jesus talking about, I'm the first and the last, Alpha and Omega. Now, I said, where did this last one come from again? If we stand and we recite... La ilaha illallahu Muhammad Rasul. Where did he come from? We already have the last Jesus Christ. Now, I need you to stop there because I'm coming back. We have the second pillar is Salah. Salah is a prayer that you have to make sure you attend five prayers a day. I have no problem with that. I went to the third Fila is zakat. Zakat is charity or paying tithe. I didn't have a problem with that. The fourth one is swaum. Swaum is fasting in the month of Ramadan. I didn't have much problem with that. But the last one is hija, Pilgrimage. That if you are able, if you have enough wealth, you are supposed as a Muslim to go to visit the grave of Muhammad in Mecca and to go to see where he lived in Medina when he was kicked out of Mecca because of the trouble he said to do with his five uh, Sahabas. When we say Sahabas, those followers. So when he started to bring trouble in Mecca because he was forcing people to follow his religion, they kick him out, he went to Medina. So he was born in Mecca and he died in Medina. So that's why when they go for pilgrimage, they start in Mecca. From Mecca, they have to move to Medina to see his grave. Now, I want you to think critically because we need to bring this now to practical. As a young man growing, by the time I was 16 years old, and they keep asking me to follow this religion, I said, no. Think about this. Muhammad was born 520 A.D. If this is the religion that we say, if you are Muslim, a real Muslim, you have to recite the Shahada, The people who lived from Adam before Muhammad was born to 520 AD, which Shahada did they give to the God they believed? Where was Allah by this time? Because his messenger was not born, what was the recite, what was the affirmation of the faith of the people who lived from Adam to Muhammad? Did they have religion? Absolutely, they had a religion. Which religion? So this destroys all foundation that this is the only religion. Because listen to me. That shahada is not just a shahada. is also an, it's like a covenant that nobody should believe in any other god except Allah. And second... When you worship, you have to make sure your face is directed to the east. What is in that direction? They believe there is a huge stone which fell from heaven, and that stone was a gift from God. And they adore that stone as God himself, and they call it a black stone, Hajar Aswad. And there is a quotation in the Quran. It say, be careful when you worship. Make sure your face is directed to Mecca, where the Hajar Aswad resides. Because for really you don't see it, but the Hajar Aswad itself is seeing you. Now tell me, is the rock can see someone? <laughs> you have a rock somewhere seeing you? All these help me to make a decision. Now, I didn't do that when I was still living with my grandma. After 16 years old, I was in school there. I left and went back to my parents. And then I was sent out to high school. And when I was in high school, I met a seven-day Adventist pastor who gave me Desire of Ages and The Great Controversy." And when I finished to read those two books, they sealed the deal of my faith. Amen. May the Lord bless all people who are looking for the light so they can find light. I want to stop there. There's a lot of things I could share with you, but today I'm going to stop there. Um, before we go to our sermon today, which is entitled, The Sign of a New Heart, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love you have revealed to us. That even when we are still in darkness, you came. You were the first to initiate the way for the people who are wandering, looking for the place of their rest. And you opened the way and you made it possible that one day you may invite us to your kingdom to worship you and to adore you forever and ever. Be with us now as we go to the divine service. Bless your people here in Brooklyn. And bless those who are in camp meetings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before I go in here, I want to remind you something that was happening in the time of the Bible. When nations came out to go to war, you find all the time... There were different wars raging between nation and nation. When they went to war and they overcame, subdued other nations, when they went back home, they made sure they carry the trophies of their victory. And for these, they will take if young girls or young men. They will take animals like sheep and goat, but mostly they always make sure they take the gods of the nations they conquered so they can show the sign of their victory. This is uh, uh, the sign of their power. This is the sign of the power not for the soldiers is also the power of the God they believe in, that this God gave us the victory to overcome this nation, and now as we go back, we take the gods of this nation to show how weak they are. Now, for this point, there was a problem with the God of Israel, because even when his people went astray from him, and he decided to give them up to the nations, they were subdued, won, and maybe killed some of them, the God of Israel was nowhere to be found that he can be taken to the other nations. That's why you remember when the children of Israel took the Ark of the Covenant when they were fighting with Philistines, the Philistines believed the Ark of the Covenant was the God of Israel. Say, wow, we got the God of Israel today. And they took the ark. Though they ended up returning that ark with tears. You remember when Babylon came to Israel, Nebuchadnezzar took the vessels of the house of God. Why? They were looking for God of Israel. But God of Israel was not there. So they took the vessels and always remember when they do this they take to the house of their God to keep them in there. That was the sign of subservient that the God we overcame he can save our God. So why do you think in the idea of of the holy temple. I remember Pastor Jeff was teaching here a couple of ago. He showed how important the tabernacle was. But at the end of the day, you see Apostle Paul says, we are the temple of God. Our bodies are the temple of God. So when the children of God were taken, God of Israel was within his people. Now, we know that when that happened, it's because God's people had already left their allegiance to their God, and that's why God gave them up. But you will find few people who are faithful, few people who are still worshiping and following the way of the Lord, the Lord was still with them even when they went to captivity. Is that true? Yes. You remember uh, prophet Ezekiel. He said when they were sitting on the side of the river uh, River Keba, he saw the glory of the Lord. Oh. So the God of Israel went with his children in captivity. He was still living within the hearts of the people who were faithful to him, though the rest of Israel were not faithful to him. So the reason why today I'm speaking about the sign of the new heart, if there is a time we need to be in line with God, is the time we are living in today. We need God to be within us. And I'm going to touch this quickly for us to know that it doesn't matter how much trouble that we see going on out there. What we need is to keep ourselves clean that God may dwell within us. Amen. That's what matters a lot. He doesn't care how much noise idol worshipers they make out there. God is looking to his people. Do they have clean hearts? So I can dwell within them. Amen. That's what he's looking for. So, in the book of Psalms, in the book of Psalms that my friend just read, Psalms 51, 51 verse 10. This was the prayer of King David. This was the prayer of King David. When he said. Create in me. A clean heart. Oh God. And renew a spirit within me. David found the need. There was a sense. Of need within his heart. That I need God. God. To create a new heart, to renew my heart within me. And there was a confirmation of the answer of God from that prayer. For that particular prayer, God answered in the book of Ezekiel. If you are wondering what happened to the prayer of David, God answered in the book of Ezekiel. Go with me quickly. Ezekiel 36, the book of Ezekiel 36, there was an answer from God himself. Thirty-six twenty-six, Ezekiel 36, 26. And this is how it reads. The Lord say, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stone heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. What a promise. David is asking. If today we can join hands with David and ask that question. Or present to the Lord as a request. Create in me, Lord, a clean heart. And renew, make my heart pure. The Lord said, oh, oh, look here. I will do that. I will do that. So we have this promise. What is the new heart, by the way? What is the new heart? You see, sometimes we use big terms. And when we get the answer, he seems to be shallow. I remember one time people were arguing, "What is the heart?" You know we are not talking about the organ which is pumping blood within us. No, Jesus is speaking about the mind, the clean mind, the mind that can be the home. The mind that can be the tabernacle where the divine things can dwell. That's what we're talking about. So, in this particular promise, God is telling His children that I will give you the clean heart. I'm going to renew the heart. What I need is your willingness. What I need is you to open your heart. And you want me to clean that heart. I'm coming in and I will clean it. When the heart is cleaned, the work of keeping that heart undefiled don't come from God. It comes from you and from me. Okay. Now, before I move forward, let me remind you something very special. When they finished to build the temple in Jerusalem, when King Solomon was making dedication for that temple, God answered by fire from heaven to show that I approve. I put the mark of approval to what you have done. And I'm going to dwell in this place. When Jesus came and he found what the priests were doing in that temple, You and me will remember, he said, your house is left desolate. Why? In the days of Solomon, the Lord said, I'm going, I have chosen Jerusalem. I will keep my name here. When they, when they failed to keep it clean, Jesus stood up and said, your house is left desolate. So I need you to understand today, when we come to Jesus, when a soul is converted, when the soul is open to accept Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ accepts the soul and cleans it. But this soul should be kept clean every day. It's a lifelong experience. You don't stop anywhere. Day by day time by time, the tabernacle must be clean for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. So, if God approved the temple in Jerusalem, and after some time, Jesus stood up and he said, I'm done with that building. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to me, and it can happen to you. That once before you were clean, and somewhere along the way, you go down and Jesus say, I'm done with you. Now, I, I, I don't pray that to happen to any one of us. And that's why when I was looking at this stuff, I said, we need to remind ourselves again. Um, the church now is really paying attention to what is going on outside. We don't need to worry about that. We need to worry about our connection with the Redeemer. That's it. That's what we need to worry about. So, there was a a group of people who were presumptuous. You know, sometimes you believe you are clean. And this I'm talking to myself too. You believe that you are clean. But some way, somewhere along the way, you do some things that your conscience is telling you this is not okay. But you like doing it. You keep doing it. Nothing happened to you. And you believe because I'm baptized, because I'm going to church, and I'm doing this, and I don't feel, it. I don't feel anything wrong with me, is okay. When we get to that point, we forget that sometimes when we stumble, Jesus is still there giving us the second chance. When he gives the second chance, and we go again and again, and then it becomes a habit, like what happened to Samson? He said, I'm going to go out and stretch myself again and do the same I did last year or last week. The Bible says he didn't know that the Lord has forsaken him. You see, when we repeat those stuffs, Jesus is shut out. So be careful, because most of the time Satan is leading people to think because they have felt a certain rapture, of feeling they are okay with God. We can sing, we can pray, and we can worship. But if there's something that you know your conscience is telling you, you know the Holy Spirit is always convincing the soul when we go away from God. And when that happens, is our time to make a U-turn quickly and go back to Jesus. And because of that, those who are cleaned, they should never allow their feelings to go deeper than their actions. Before you can sit down and you say, I'm okay, be careful with the feelings that I'm born again. I'm baptized. Have you seen people who are claiming they're born again and in a minute you find them or you hear them speaking some things that for really a born again person should not bring that out of his mouth. I saw that one time when I was working in the hotel. When I get a break, sometimes I'll be reading my Bible or I have a spiritual spiritual book I'm reading. And this one guy came to me and he said, Oh man, what do you realize? I'm reading my my Bible, and I say, "Oh man, you know, I'm born again too." And I was happy. I shook his hand. I say, "Oh, good, keep it up." At the sunset, he asked me for a ride to go home. He say, "Oh, can you give me a ride?" I say, "Sure." So when I was dropping him home, he asked me. He say, "Hey man, do you have some?" I really miss it. I say what? He say you don't smoke. I say no. <laughs> and he was like, ah, what are you doing? I say nothing. I eat and drink. He say, oh, you drink? I say I mean water. I drink water. <laughs> this guy who told me he was born again, he's asking me about. <laughs> so. That's what I'm talking about. And he believes that he can still smoke and drink and he's born again. And let me tell you, that's the trick of the devil to keep people under his banner until the probation door is closed. That's, right. that's what we need to be very careful. Amen. So, uh, before I close, let me say this. When Jesus speaks about the new heart, what is real, what what is he talking about to his people or to his church? He is speaking about the new heart. What is he talking about? He is talking about life of himself within his people. Now let me, let me, let me, let me do this quickly. When Adam and Eve sinned. First of all, the Bible says then they they saw that they were naked and they ran to hide and they collected some fig leaves to cover themselves. But let me tell you what was also missing. It was not just the cloth which was covering them. Ellen G. White speaking about that verse, he said she says there was a grob of light. But he don't she don't stop there. Adam and Eve, they lost the power of the brain to think to comprehend the divine things. When that light left, He didn't live only with the robe of light. That light was not only a robe. It was also a mental capability of comprehending divine things. That also was gone. There was a knowledge that God put within Adam which was growing day after day. As long as he remained faithful to God, that was gone. So we can say Adam... Was like maybe first grader who dropped all the causes and he was sent back home. What was lost again? The door of eternity. We know Adam and Eve didn't die that day. But I'm telling you from that day, Adam and Eve were diminishing in every angle of life. Why? Why? If you go back to the creation, what was the first thing to be created? The Lord said, let it be what? Light. Light. And it was light. Sun and moon and stars were created the fourth day. When the sun was created, the light was there. When moon created, the light was already there. And the stars when came in existence, the light was already there. That light, I'm gonna take you quickly to the book of John. The book of John. The book of John, chapter one. The book of John, chapter one. Is talking about Jesus himself, and he's saying in the beginning, John chapter one, verse one, we're coming down quickly To verse um, 4. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and uh, without him was not anything made that was made. In him, now I'm coming to the point, in him was life. And the life was the light of man. That's the light. That's the robe of light. That light was life of Adam and Eve. That light was the mental capability to think and comprehend divine things. That was light. And the light, verse 5, shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. That was the light. So, when Jesus is talking about clean heart, he is bringing back which was lost. Him to dwell within his people. Me and you. What do we need again? If Jesus is within us, we need nothing. That's why you read the Bible. Every person who overcame the world, you read about Joseph we were discussing today in the Sabbath school. They say because God was with him. He went to to be a slave. God was with him. He went to the dungeon. God was with him. So when God is doing this, is the high gift can ever be given to the children of men? The light. When we come to this point, Jesus is trying to redeem the mind. When our mind is healed, the church is healed, the families are healed, and the world can be healed by a small number of God's people who are the dwellers that within them the Holy Spirit dwells. When Jesus speaks of the new heart, he means the mind. He means the life. He means the whole being of the human. To have a change of heart Is to withdraw the affections from the world and fasten them upon Jesus Christ. Now people believe that when Jesus said, come as you are, you can come as you are and stay as you are. No. No. When we come as we are, Jesus expects that. From his light, from his life, every day we will be changing to be like him. To be like him. That's the point. So we can come as we are. From all our nations. From all our tribes. From all our filthiness. Jesus is opening the hands. Come to me. When I was reading Revelation 3.20, when Jesus said, I'm standing on the door and I'm knocking, my question came, when did Jesus get evicted from his people? Because if you are my guest, you come to my home, and after some time, I hear you again outside knocking. It will never happen unless I kick you out or I say, hey, man, get out. And you are begging again from outside, can you let me in? Can you let me in? When Adam and Eve sinned, Jesus was kicked out. Jesus was evicted. All the things happened to the cross. Jesus is knocking again, can you let me in? Can you let me in? So when we speak about affection, we have to remember That when we are cleaned, the only way we can keep ourselves clean to the, to the cross, to the, to the feet of Jesus is to remove the affection of the world to our life. And then focus our affection, fasten our eyes to Jesus Christ. To have a new heart is to have a new mind. New purpose. New motives in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5 to 7, and that will be my last verse. The book of Philippians, Philippians, chapter 2, book of Philippians, chapter 2, We're going to read verse 5 to 7. Let this mind be in you. Philippians, I said, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to uh, 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, though it uh, thought, It's not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of men. Here we are reading about the dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. When the mind of his people becomes his mind. They are made in one portion. The fabric is interwoven together that if we come, we look at Jesus and we look at the, the person who, who accepted, uh, accepted Jesus, they are interwoven together that we cannot separate them. And that's the reason why divinity of Jesus Christ and humanity of Jesus Christ, Ellen G. White said, is something that we cannot even understand until we get into the kingdom of God. And even when we get there, it will take some time. It will take some time. Ellen G. White speaks in the book of... uh, Desire of Ages, page 330. 330. We are to enter the school of Christ, to learn from him meekness and lowliness. Redemption is that process by which the soul is trained for heaven. This training means a knowledge of Christ. It means emancipation from ideas, habits, and practices that have been gained in the school of Prince of Darkness. Oh, did you hear that? From the Prince of Darkness, there are some things that we grabbed when we came to Jesus. When we come to Jesus, we are in the school that we are trained to shake those stuff off. And then when we do that, it says the soul must be delivered from all that is opposed to loyalty to God. As I close today, what is the sign of a new heart? It says the sign of a new heart is a changed life simple like that the sign of the heart that God can dwell in is the life which is changed so one question to you before I leave this pulpit is your life changed when people look at you Do they see the change? Because let me tell you, the change that Jesus is talking about can be seen. People can look at it and they say, he is the child of God. They can tell. Is my life changed? May the Lord help us to stay within the line of righteousness. May the God bless you. Amen.